We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. The battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is I am who I am. The devil's definition of himself is I am who am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. Welcome to Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. I've got Cal Clement here, who is uh, Father Chad Ripperger's uh, right-hand man. It's, he's basically is uh, he's uh, the, the case facilitator for the SMD. Kyle, welcome back. You've been gone doing some retreats for a couple of weeks. We've been missing you. Oh, Jesse, we've been high in the mountains uh, with Father Ripperger doing some father-son uh, retreats and mother-daughter retreats and reclamation theology it's just been a wonderful three weeks up at 8800 feet at the louis lake lodge in wyoming it's it uh it's hard to come down off the mountain kyle i think two people from my parish out here in our lady guadalupe and queen creek they went out there uh, my wife told me uh she gave me some names of two parishioners that went out there to, to the retreat two two uh two women i guess with their daughters so they probably said they sure they sure did, Jesse, and I want to thank you and your audience so much for supporting those uh, retreats. And we had people come, and, and uh, this program, along with many of the other quality programs on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, are, are being listened to and are affecting lives. And so it was wonderful to meet your fellow parishioners, and uh, they uh, what we had in common, besides our love for our Lord and our Lady, is that... Uh, we're all Jesse and Anita fans, and so it was good to, to meet those folks. Hey, hey Kyle, I want to get into the, uh, the 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 book Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Lady, but before I do this, here's a question that I know that you get often, Dan gets often, I get some emails often, and uh, I just want to I just want to answer this question and have you clean it up because a lot of people will email you then other people and say hey i need some help my cousin is having nightmares my brother-in-law my sister-in-law my best friend is seeing this that and the other dude and they go into this long story and at the end of the email i tell them have the person contact me in other words there are so many people out there kyle they step out of their lane they're looking into other people's problems, and they write in a big old narrative, and they'll send it to you, SMD, you know, Dan and others. And uh, basically, I, you know, I've seen some of your, your responses. It's funny. You just say, have them send me an email. Simple. One sentence. In other words, uh, and I tell people it's pretty simple. Uh, if, if you go to the police department, you, you, you can't say, Hey, you know what? I think uh, about five houses down, I think somebody was breaking in. I'm not really sure if it was family or not. In other words, uh, that's hearsay. If the police is going to say, have the person whose house was broken into call us up or make a report. And that's the same thing with spiritual warfare, isn't it? Isn't that true, Kyle? The people that have problems with diabolical affliction they're the ones that are supposed to go seek help. 
not send your cousin, your mother-in-law, your brother-in-law, your best friend to go send, you know, you an email, father an email, somebody else an email. The person has to take responsibility. Isn't that the case? You're absolutely right, Jesse. And I think it's a great lead-in into today's program with regard to these prayers. And, you know, people always ask why these prayers don't work. Um, I, I'll, and we're going to talk about that today. But you just put, you just hit the nail on the head. Is that we're often caught up uh, about someone's behavior. We think they ought to behave in a certain way. Um, and so, 90% of frustration is built upon expectation of someone else's behavior. If you get rid of the expectation of someone else's behavior and focus on your own and the motivation behind it, then it's a whole different world. It's a whole different battleground. If you're worrying about how the guy next to you is holding his weapon or not holding his weapon, you're going to get shot because you're not paying attention to the enemy. You're paying attention to the guy alongside you. Um, clumsy analogy, but but I think it's very, very poignant. Uh, you're exactly right. I, I think that we often want to impose our will or our expectation on people, and we forget that this soul has a relationship with God, um, has a direct relationship between creature and creator. And our intervention is not going to uh, is not going to make or break that relationship. Um, ultimately, God works through people. We're not the pivotal player. He, God is, and so he, if not us, somebody else. And it's not necessarily what we say or do. It's the cumulative effect of Christian community ministering to this individual. But they first have to they they have to, to want it. They have to desire it. They have to to be wanting. Um, there has to be an element of repentance, which will lead to metanoia. You can't want it for them. Uh, you can't impose your your will upon them through these deliverance prayers. It just simply does not work. Kyle, are you there? Did we get cut off here? I think I think Kyle froze. Yeah, you're listening to you're listening to Wednesday War College. I've got Kyle Clement, and we're going to be talking about the deliverance prayers for use by the laity. And uh, I just asked Kyle right now about uh, again. Everybody has to take responsibility for themselves, and it's good that you that people care for each other. But oftentimes, Kyle, I see a lot of people that are they're just kind of busybodies. They're sticking their nose in like. You know, and other people, I get these long emails and my sister-in-law, this is her third marriage. And she's, and she sees like the undertaker in the foot of her bed and, and, uh, and her husband, I think he's cheating on her. And, and he also has, uh, you know, problems with saying the F word. And it, I'm like, wow. I mean, the, the, the writing a book about family members and friends, it would be better again, if people would just, uh, Pray for that person that God gives them the grace of conversion or salvation and uh, stay in your lane. Like you said, everybody has a relationship with God, even on the natural level, uh, creature and creator, and everybody has to take responsibility for their actions. Uh, that's good that people care, but it, there, there, there comes a point in time where you're just meddling in other people's business. Comments? Any comments, Kyle? Well, you're precisely right, Jesse, and, and I think this is one of the things that we lose modernly is we confess the sins of others to the exclusion of our own. Um, we, we have to be aware of what's happening in our own backyard, um, and you're exactly right. 
gossip is probably and slander and calumny are probably the most the least confessed sins but the most prevalent everybody talks about the sins that a culture is blind to i will tell you in the united states detraction calumny slander gossip these are the unconfessed sins and they are absolutely horrific uh, kyle i want to get your take before we get into the the deliverance prayers in the book uh uh, uh, the Lord gave us a minor, a minor miracle. I mean, uh, a, a victory with Roe versus Wade. As I see the other side, the, the pro boards, Kyle, I, I mean, I, you see them in the streets uh, committing acts of, of vandalism, crimes, threatening people, howling. You, you see some of the ranting and raving. I mean, to me, to me, Kyle, th- this seems like there's a lot of people on the pro-abortion side that either are emotionally wounded as a result of this sin or have psychological compatibility with demons, what comes out of their mouth and their actions on the streets? It's not even human. This is, this is beyond human behavior. Comments? I, I think that your key observation is the psychological compatibility with the demon. Um, yes, they are psychologically compatible. This is a vicious group of people. These people are vicious, not virtuous. But, you know, it's another sign of, of the, de, you know, the degradation, the entropy of humanity is the children of the light against the children of the dark. And, and the, the middle ground is falling away. It's becoming more and more clear, uh, more and more obvious uh, which side um, is which. And so it's... Uh, Evil militates to absurdity, and that's what we're seeing. And when our civil officials do not correct this behavior, um, and when we have a Holy Father who does not correct deviant behavior in his priesthood, and when we have uh, people in authority who do not correct and, in fact, condone the deviant behavior because of their own deviancy, then you're seeing that all the landmarks of virtue and, and right order and absolute truth, all of those landmarks are vanishing. We find ourselves in a howling wasteland of relativism and modernism that is devoid of the landmarks of Catholicism and right order. Kyle, I also, I'm also seeing right now in our culture, I think the reason that the pro aborts the left is so angry, because for them, what they perceive what was taken away from them was their sacrament. The federal government or the Supreme Court took away their sacrament because they do look at abortion as a blood sacrifice to Satan. A lot of them do. Uh, a lot of them have actually said this, you know, you know, right from their mouth. And a lot of them look at look at abortion as something sacrosanct to the secular left. Uh, and so, to, to us, it would be tantamount to the Supreme Court taking away the holy sacrifice of the Mass for Catholics. There would be a hue and cry all over the world. Do you think I'm on to something? Do you think they look at the abortion as their sacrament? I think they absolutely do, uh, Jesse. I, I think they absolutely do. And so the letting of blood, that um, it, it has a huge impact. And all of it, all of it goes to sacrificial theology, righteous, um, righteous sacri- sacrifice and righteous sacrament. But you can take this analogy even further. Um, Clarence Thomas is exactly right. Judge Thomas is exactly right. This is just, this just kicks over the obvious. And so we'll talk about, we'll pick this up after the break if you'd like. 
Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. I've got Kyle Clement here. And we're talking about Roe versus Wade, the implications, the fallout. Clarence Thomas is one of the greatest legal minds we have right now in the world. What a blessing to live under under the uh, the, the great... Uh, the great tutelage of such a man in the, in, at the United States Supreme Court, and I want to thank the other, uh, you know, the other justices as well. I mean, they started off a little bit slow when they were appointed to the bench, but uh, the last two or three weeks, uh, w- they've given us one victory after another. Kyle, any comments about uh, Clarence Thomas and his comments that he made about our uh, Roe versus Wade? Absolutely, Jesse, and so. We were talking about right before the break the fact that abortion is viewed as a, as the ultimate sacrament, uh, which is the sacrifice of an innocent victim for the life of another. And that's you, let's talk about it in those terms, and then you start to see the parallel. You start to see it the way um, the diabolical see it. And so, all of Catholicism, all of spiritual warfare, the height and summit of the practice of Catholicism is the offering of the holy sacrifice to the Mass. Now, we didn't hear the term celebrate the Mass until um, Vatican II. What we heard was preside at the Mass, offer the holy sacrifice to the Mass. And so you get this shift in sacrificial theology um, to where the focus is on the creature and not on the creator. It's not an act of worship as much as it's an act of of self-adoration. We love ourselves loving God. But then we look at the the sacraments that flow from it, the other sacraments. It's all about configuring oneself to God. And if the Mass is the the ultimate sacrifice, then on the other side, abortion, the sacrificing and shedding of blood of an innocent victim for the life of another, so that the life of another temporal life may be extended. Please uh, see the overlay and and uh, in comparison to the COVID vaccine, to all of these things where um, it's a false Eucharist. Now, Clarence Thomas goes so far as to state the obvious. I love him. I, is, yeah, I think he's Captain Obvious. If he were a superhero by day, he is a, a Supreme Court justice. By night, he is Captain Obvious, who states the obvious. And what he says is, you got to take this momentum. you got to take this understanding that if abortion is wrong, so is contraception. If contraception is wrong, so is same-sex marriage. He turns a very pure and clean intellect onto the fact that this flows from the same rotten fruit, that contraception, the, the thwarting of procreation by any means, profanes the conjugal act. And the other ultimate profaning of the conjugal act is an act of sodomy. Sodomy is strictly defined as the expulsion of the seed in a place where it, where it is not fertile. And so it's not just um, the homosexual act. It is the spilling of the human seed, the seed of mankind, in a non-fertile place. And so that's the strict definition of, of sodomy. And so I think that Clarence Thomas forces us to look at the depravity. And so oftentimes what happens is we stand on the edge of a preface uh, and our feet are over, our toes are over the edge. We take one step back and we think we're good. And, and Thomas says, no, 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 this can all cave away. This, this can all take you right back to where you were. You have to address the deviancies which led us to this point, led us to the when what would have happened in 1950 if someone would have said publicly that uh, the killing of an innocent human in their mother's womb is 
they would have been run out of town on a rail. That that, that would not have been permitted. You're listening. Exactly. Yep. They would have been they would have been run out of town. Uh, that that was unthinkable back in the fifties. Unthinkable. And, and again, I think it all comes. I, I think it all comes uh, from from the error, the philosophical error. That uh, number one is that there's no objective truth, and uh, and num- and number two, I think what ended up happening is that uh, the left read into the Constitution something that wasn't there. The Constitution doesn't mention anything about abortion. The Constitution doesn't mention anything about homosexual, uh, you know, sodomy being legal or contraception. So, yeah, Clarence Thomas is saying that these decisions have been made. And and rendered uh, basically out of whole cloth. They're, they're they're not drawn for the Constitution. It just comes from from people's, you know, plain, uh, you know, legal gymnastics with uh, with uh, with the penumbras of the Constitution. Correct. Well, you're precisely right, and I think we need to go ahead and push and say, okay, where did that can't come from? It comes straight out of Freemasonry. This is one of the first times that we've had a Supreme Court since the. Um, a founding of the Supreme Court. This is one of the first times that we've had um, a Supreme Court that wasn't a majority Freemasons and uh, the woman equivalent of the Eastern Star. Um, and so the last hundred years, especially, the, the Supreme Court has moved us toward a more centralized government, has moved us toward um, one world government. And while we're on the subject, we really need to pay attention to the one world government players, uh, who they are. Um, because this is Freemasonry for all her seeming um, doing good and standing up for the Constitution in the states. Uh, Liz Cheney is her daddy's daughter. Uh, he's a 33rd degree Mason. He is one of the most powerful Freemasons in this country. He's a kingmaker. Um, she's driving us toward uh, one world government. I'm not saying anything about what she's about the January 6th investigation. I'm not saying anything about political candidates. I'm saying if you want to see her motivation for doing what she's doing, it is based on one world government. Yep. She uh, she definitely uh, uh, speaks the language of a globalist. Yes. So so Kyle, let, let's uh, give a quick definition for people that hear you and Dan mention deprecatory prayers and imprecatory prayers. A quick definition before I start asking you about some of the particular prayers. Okay, imprecatory is direct, and it, it was it power as well as authority to command and use that form of language. Um, for instance, if you pick up a coffee cup and I say, Jesse, put my coffee cup down, then it's mine, that is the natural law. I'm, I'm exerting that right over an object that belongs to me, and then I'm giving you a command. Uh, and so the power and the authority are joined, they're requisite, they're complete uh, in this. They're not synonymous, however. Uh, so I have both the power and the authority uh, to use that direct command. Got it. Okay. Deprecatory. And Quick definition. De- deprecatory is... Um, Anita, please have Jesse put that cup down. <laughs> so I'm, I'm asking Anita, who has arguably more power over you than I do, certainly more authority, and I'm not exerting an ownership or a direct uh, claim to the cup. And so 
there has to be this differentiation between power and authority. So deprecatory, you're asking for a thing to happen. You're not commanding it. Imprecatory, you're commanding it. Very simple and clear definition. Kyle, on page 19 of uh, the, the book, Deliverance Prayers for the Lady, there's a prayer there that says Latin binding prayer. At one side, the left side is in Latin, the right side is in English. Uh, this prayer, th- this prayer, can be said over who? Over yourself and your children? Over yourself and your children in certain context. Okay. Um, and so it, it may not be said over your grown children. Uh, it may not be said, for instance, over your grown daughter who is married and you as a father have uh, given that authority over to her husband. And so you may not pray that prayer. Um, and so uh, children, minor children, children yet to reach, reach the age of majority children in the household, um, the father has this authority. And so when it says spirit of blank, I bind you, you need to be uh, clear. So this is a prayer I get asked about a lot. People say, Father Ripperger said in his talk that there's a prayer that I can pray to um, so that my daughter no longer like or my son no longer likes this individual who is bad for them uh, or who is who they're living with. And so this spirit, for instance, in that case, spirit of any spirit acting as a cupid between my daughter and uh, Joe bad actor to join them in a relationship of sin. And so you're, you're speaking directly to any cross animation or, or any spiritual activity, which keeps them together. And that way, if, if the perp- the basis of their relationship is diabolical and is being kept together, then it starts to be severed. And they, and they start to get some clarity. What does it look like? You pray this prayer, Father, uh, the father of this girl, in this our hypothetical, the father of this girl and the mother, pray this prayer every evening, kneeling at bedside. They offer a rosary, and then they pray this prayer, that the merits of this rosary may inure to this prayer to um, break any relationship between these, these spirits are holding these people together. So this is the way this works. It's not just a uh, works by itself. And so that prayer is offered for nine days. And then what usually happens in Novena and what usually happens is the daughter then starts to get some clarity and starts to see what a clod or a heel this guy is, starts to see that um, maybe they're not compatible. And so that's the way these prayers work. Uh, people oftentimes don't realize that that there is a, there is an effect, there's a cause and effect, and there's a, a linkage and a time lapse between when these prayers are said, how often they're said. you got to keep it up. you just got to keep telling the truth. Um, does that make sense, Jesse? Yeah, it does. And especially what was very key is the fact that you said uh, once they reach the age of majority, it's uh, this prayer you know, would, would not be something that you would be using any longer because, again, uh, they've... Uh, once they reach the age of majority and you've, you've handed them over to a, or, or their spouse or or they've got their own house and they've got their own life, uh, this prayer would not be something that you'd, you'd be using at that moment. They have to live with you. That's what I understand, correct? That's correct. You have to have the requisite authority with, as long, along with the power. 
Perfect. That's uh, that makes sense to me. The, the, so then you have an, on the, on page twenty, you've got some. Um, it says "Nomini Spiriti in Latina Declinata." In other words, this uh, agitation, anger, anxiety, astrology, sorrow. Are these are these uh, emotional wounds, or are these emotional wounds attached to a, a, a potentially attached to a, an evil spirit? So the, the spirit may be attached to the emotional wound, but these are very general names. And so this is what we call a level one naming. It's a very general naming. Um, you don't need to know the name of the demon specifically. What you want to do is look at and draw attention to um, the defect or the psychological compatibility. Why am I compatible with the spirit of anger? Why am I compatible uh, with the spirit of despair? And it does good to, to look at what person of the Trinity is this, does this offend, um, and so we'll we'll join that. But it, it really helps. To hold that thought. Hold that thought, Kyle. We'll be right back. War College. We'll be right back. Stick around. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle, without a doubt, is is, is the most literate, uh, the most the most well informed lay Catholic on planet Earth when it comes to spiritual warfare. He's been working with Father Ripperger, really literally as as his right hand man for the last fifteen years plus, and so uh, he he's just an encyclopedia of information. What a blessing to have him here on Wednesdays at uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, along with Doctor Dan Schneider again. Two of the most uh, literate, well-formed Catholics in the area of spiritual warfare. So, <clears throat> Kyle, you're saying that these, on page 20, some of these names, uh, agitation, anger, anxiety, deception, these are level level one names of uh, emotional disorders or demons? So, it can be both. I mean, they're level okay. one names of demons okay. in the emotional orders with which, disorders with which they associate. I think that's the best way to say it. Um, For instance, uh, if we do an exercise on how to name demons, uh, level one. So a level one naming is is the most general. Uh, And so if I tell you to imagine a human, a musician, call to mind a musician. You got him in your mind? Yeah. So that's a very broad category, musician. All right. Level two, stringed instrument. And so... Stringed instrument. You got that in your mind? Yeah. Level three, a guitarist. Got that in your mind? You see how we're narrowing down? Level uh-huh. four, Jim, Jimi Hendrix. I was going to say so, Carlos Santana, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. The, the point is, is, is you get to a very uh, specific. So these are either level one or level two. We know they're an evil spirit. We know they operate in this way. But I think what's really interesting is within the emotional disorder that the demon is compatible with um, is going to lie a real key, a real key. And the way you unlock that is, or the way you find that is, for instance, um, anger. And so if, if it's a spirit of ire or anger, um, usually that has to do, St. Thomas defines anger as the feeling one has when they are feel um, unable to address an injustice. And so 
it's actually, if I'm angry at you, this is a lack of charity because I no longer will you the good. And so charity is the third person of the Holy Spirit, uh, third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so you've got a, anger is, a, is, a, is an issue against the Holy Spirit, the, the extension of charity to all, to give each creature his due. Um, anxiety, despair, these are sins against the hope that is Jesus Christ, the mm. second person of the, of the Trinity. So the anxiety is a lack of trust. The despair is a lack, a lack of hope. And so once we start seeing these defects in this light, then we can find the requisite virtue to be uh, worked on to eliminate the vicious behavior that, um, that, that is the psychological compatibility. So I think often we, reuse, we misuse these lists. It's not that we just want it to be gone. Well, you, you got to get at the root. Why is it there to start with? What's the psychological compatibility? What's the emotional wound, the injustice, if you will, that allows this thing to talk to you? So, Kyle, let me just repeat, if I heard you say this correctly, all these level one names on page 20 and 21, they all offend one of the persons of the Blessed Trinity, right? It's an offense against one of the persons of the Blessed Trinity. Correct. That makes sense. Wow. On page 21, you have, it's called Longer Form of Binding Prayer. Longer form of binding prayer. It's on page 21 and 22. When would that be used? So this one, this one is another one of the precious blood prayers. You notice that in this particular section, um, the person is in, encouraged to plead the precious blood um, or to cover themselves with the precious blood. And there's, uh, there's a me section in this prayer. I ask Jesus to cover me. That's pretty specific. So this is an imprecatory prayer over you. Uh, your corpus, your emotions, your uh, faculties of the human person. So this is not a prayer to be prayed over someone else. I mean, read the first part. I ask Jesus to cover me. And so this is um, a prayer. Again, the, the sacred blood is pled, but this is usually with regard to uh, a curse. And so there's physical affliction involved. You read through the list. What is the symptomology? Does it match any of this stuff? We, we too often pull these things out and start praying them without reading through them. Read all the way through it without praying. Read it. Look at the theology. Look at what's being asked. Look at what you're being asked to do. Um, and like on this one, third paragraph on page 22, I ask thee, Jesus, to break and dissolve any and all links and effects of links with astrologers, bomos, channelers, chartiers, clairvoyants. Well, what if your Aunt Marge is a clairvoyant? What if your Uncle Bob is a medium? You're asking Jesus to break and dissolve all those links. What do you think is going to happen to that relationship? It's going to be, it's probably going to be affected, right? It's going to be dissolved. Absolutely. And when you start praying these kind of prayers, you got to understand something. The demon is going to find you offensive. He's going to find you offensive. And so if you're trying to ask Jesus to break this link with Uncle Bob, who is the astrologer or the the uh, practitioner, then Uncle Bob's going to hate your guts because the demon within him is going to see this growing holiness in you and the desire to break this linkage. You're really, this, this wreaks havoc, especially in families that want to maintain familial relationships uh, that are disordered. 
Okay, so this long-form binding prayer is an imprecatory prayer. Uh, the person can only pray this over themselves. But it's, but it's, a, high, it's, a, it's a high flash radius uh, prayer, isn't it? Very, very high flash. It's, it's, you got a huge recoil because this is going to expose people in your, within your wire. And when you start praying these prayers, you got people who are within your wire or in close proximity, especially familial proximity, who are going to have a very adverse reaction to you. That makes sense. Yeah, because a lot, a lot of the things that you're mentioning here, these are probably family members uh, that are afflicted with these, with these types of defects and, and, uh, and, and these types of disorders. So let's go on page 23. But binding prayer to blind demons. I know that's the prayer that it's the that's virtually at the end of the Exilium Christianorum prayers. It's a very beautiful prayer. Uh, is that imprecatory? Is that deprecatory? Who can use that prayer? So it's deprecatory. Let's look at it. It addresses who? Most gracious Virgin Mary, thou who would crush the head of the serpent, protect us. You're imploring her. You're asking her from the vengeance of the evil one. Now, this is a very important line. We offer our prayers, supplications, sufferings, and good works. And so everybody does the first two. They offer their prayers and their supplications, but they're not willing to suffer, and they're not willing to do good works in order to achieve the prayer. Mm. Got it. Yeah. I see that. There's a mechanics. Uh, you know, yeah. As you read through these prayers, there's a very, very, uh, there's a very straightforward mechanics to it. Here's something else that I find interesting in that prayer, Kyle, that uh, uh, I know God in the, in the Old Testament, uh, God would, would, could blind people, would blind people. We also see that the, the Bible says in the New Testament that the devil, uh, he says he blinds the minds of the unbelievers in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Here, we see that the Blessed Virgin Mary in this prayer, this deprecatory prayer, we're asking her to blind demons. To me, I find that personally comforting that I can go to Our Lady and ask her to blind demons every night as I do this prayer, knowing that my enemies, these infernal, uh, these infernal spirits that are trying to attack me and my family, that I'm calling upon the Mother of God to blind them. To me, that brings a lot of, uh, a lot of consolation and comfort. Can you talk about uh, the, 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 the power of how she blinds demons? Kyle. Are you there? They're aware of her. They're every once in a while in solemn session. They're made to look upon her, uh, and it's tormenting for them. It's absolutely tormenting. Every angel is created uh, with a with a orientation um, to our Blessed Mother. She's Queen of Angels, and so even fallen angels, uh, she looks at them with a look that is, um, and it's not a disdainful look. It's not a, a look of hatred. It's a look of, it's a look of hopeless pity, hopeless. Why is it hopeless? They cannot repent. This is a modernist error that the demon is, can enjoy salvation. She looks at them as a pitiable reprobate creature that can never enjoy uh, proximity or relationship with her or God, proper relationship with her or with God. You can imagine that look. It is the utter look of disappointment. It is the other look of hopeless pity. And it is a, it's, a, it's such a convicting look. 
Um, and so that's what blinds the demon is, is they don't want to, they can't see that. They don't want to see that. Um, just being aware of her is such torment for them. And of course, you know, somebody would ask, well, how can Our Lady do this simple? It's by divine permission. Everything she does is by divine permission. So that's, that's a simple answer to that. Um, on page 23, it, yeah, go ahead, Kyle. You want to comment? Yeah, there's another, there's another aspect to it. Uh, we ask, how does she do it? Just by being her. Hmm. Continue that thought, Kyle, because uh, we... Your Wayla, your grandmother, you would not, you would not utter a, a foul word. And it's not that she did anything other than be herself. And so the Blessed Mother, by being the creature in perfect conformity to God's holy will, just by her presence, uh, it's not that she does anything consciously. It's simply who she is. You know, I'm going to give kind of a weak analogy of what you just said, Kyle. Back in 1994, St. Mother Teresa went to go speak at uh, a prayer breakfast. President Clinton was there, Hillary Clinton, the First Lady, Al Gore, his wife, a room full of pro boards. And there was also a lot of pro-lifers as well. And she gave a speech. It was about a 10-minute speech. And she talked about the evils of abortion and what America was doing. And she got like a six-minute standing ovation right after that. Uh, there was a lot of bad people in the room, but they were just petrified at her presence. I can just imagine the Blessed Virgin Mary, a million times holier than St. Mother Teresa. Demons are just petrified and stunned at her holiness. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, College Clement. Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. By the way, if you want to get the best book on spiritual warfare... The book Dominion, it just came out a couple of weeks ago. You can get it from sendtradpress.com. Sendtradpress.com, written by Father Ripperger. It's called Dominion. It is the most complete book on spiritual warfare that's ever been written in the Catholic Church. In fact, uh, I've heard some people have uh, have compared that book. They're saying it's, it, this book will be the spiritual warfare what... Uh, what Ludwig Ott's book, uh, The Fundamentals of Catholic Theology, what that is to fundamental theology, Father Ripperger's book will be to the, to the arena of spiritual warfare, to what, uh, to what uh, the Church's teachings from the councils in Denzinger's book. Uh, this book is the equivalent of Denzinger, Ludwig Ott, Fundamentals of Catholic Dogma. It is the most complete book on spiritual warfare ever been written. It should be on the desk of every single priest in the Catholic Church, and for those lay Catholics as well, because it's written for lay Catholics, Dominion, for those that are serious about their interior life. Uh, Kyle, want to make a comment about the book, Dominion? It's extremely well done. Um, it's what you would expect from uh, a very holy priest with six advanced degrees. The theology is um, flawless. Um, it, it, the thing that, that about Dominion is it takes his um, his perspective, um, very sober perspective, to put in focus um, spiritual warfare, the diabolical, how all of this stuff works, 
and how the church always said it works is still how it always works. And St. Thomas is still the preeminent theologian that understood this. And the, the thing is, is this is none of this is father's opinion. Um, Dan Schneider has a book coming out that's not opinion. Um, there's these books that are coming from Liber Cristo and from Father Ripperger. These are objective, what we have seen objectively. They're not opinion. They're not agenda driven. They're what we've seen practically in hundreds of thousands of, of hours of session of diabolical cases of liberations. Um, and so it's, it's, there's no theory in dominion. Um, it's, it's all truth and it's all verifiable truth. And I think that's what gives it such real uh, value. And it, it definitely would should make all modern uh, lay people really sit up because the, the shift from right ordered Catholicism and instruction to the secular into the secular quote spiritual direction and, and life coaching and um, the emotionally driven response to, to faith and faith practices. Um, I think that Dominion is a very, very clear, concise manual that takes you back into Catholicism. Amen. Kyle, tell us a little bit about on page on, on page 23, there's a prayer there called Acts of Rejection. Uh, I can tell this it's an imprecatory prayer, so it's a prayer that you'd be prayed over that pray over oneself. What else can you tell us about that prayer, Acts of Rejection? Okay, so this prayer is extremely powerful uh, because essentially what this is, um, this prayer goes through, I reject any dedication, consecration, vow, pact, promise, contract, or blood contract, covenant, or blood covenant to Satan of myself. So obviously... Mm -hmm. This is not to be prayed for anyone else. You can't re reject uh, a pact that someone else made. So this is yours. And so it's amazing what happens when we get people who let's go to your let's go to your analogy. You started the program with this analogy. So my sister uh, Esmeralda is uh, a, a pro-abort uh, advocate, and she's into Satanism. She's into these things, and so I'm going to say this prayer on her behalf whoa, 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 you're about to get your head handed to you. Because how do you know that Esmeralda wants to break these packs? How do you know she wants to be done with this relationship? Um, so you, you can't do that, very simply. Uh, and so this is something that addresses things that you have done. Now, the second paragraph, because now look at the, well, before we go to the second paragraph, look at the, um, the consequences. You're rejected by dreams, by inner thoughts. All that stuff's being affected because of an agreement you made with the demon. How is it being affected? It's being affected directly. Just think about what happens when you enter a relationship with a bad actor and you allow this thing intimacy um, so it knows things about you and where to go to places where you're sensitive. And that's what this prayer is about is this is breaking up. You remember mm. it's hard to do. Yeah. 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 I, li so I like this, that. So this prayer we use in possession cases where this is part of the solemn. 
a hundred times. Um, because how many times did you tell, how many times did you tell the bad actor or the abuser, I love you? Uh, how many times were you intimate with this person? And so this repetition, Catholics understand the power of repetition. We understand the power that, that you have to go through this more than once because it was more than once that got you here. Then the second paragraph where it says, I consecrate myself. Man, what does consecration mean? We have to understand that it is not the modern secular version. Um, for all his seeming good things, this idea that we consecrate ourselves to St. Joseph, this is not in traditional Catholicism. Consecration means to set aside for the particular service. You don't consecrate yourself to consecrated to you. St. Joseph was consecrated to the Blessed Mother. There's a, there's a propriety here that we've lost. And so when we start defining, redefining the image of St. Joseph as this young man with a sharp carpenter tool in his hand and the caption, Terror of Demons, we miss it. We miss it. His power was in the lily. His power was in his purity and in his maturity. That's where his spiritual power was. It wasn't in his youth or his ability to wield a, a woodworking instrument. It was in his purity. It was in the lily and his consecration to the Blessed Mother. So the modernists get it wrong, and, and it's an emotional-driven thing. Then very few people are living out their consecration. I consecrate myself to the Blessed Mother, all that I have, all that I own, all, all of my prayers, but I want to do these particular things that are inconsistent with her, what she would have done. Well, then you're not living the consecration. And so that may sound harsh, but the demon is on the edge of this. He's on the edge. If you've ever swam in the ocean, if you've ever been uh, snorkeling, the barracuda know exactly where the edge of your vision is. And they're there, or are they not? You see them in the periphery. Are they there, or are they not? As soon as you look directly, they fade back another two feet, and they know exactly how far you can see. The demon is the same. And he's waiting for you to make that classic blunder where you're ignoring your own sins and focusing on someone else's, or you're trying to change and impose your will. He'll help you with that. Um, so I hope that tells you about this prayer. It's very, very powerful. It's one that we use all the time in the reject, renounce, and rebuke section uh, for possessed and obsessed people. So, so, uh, you, this is a prayer that you would use, obviously, before the sessions, right? When before they get to sessions, they have to, they should start doing these acts of rejection, these, these acts of consecration, or do they do them in session? So they do them immediately before. So before solemn session, there will be um, there will be uh, the holy sacrifice of the mass, and it's best to, to do that in the preliminary. There's a perimeter prayer, and then immediately following the perimeter prayer should be these prayers of rejection. Then you go into the holy sacrifice of the mass. Got it. Yeah, these are you could tell these are powerful prayers. These these aren't prayers for the faint-hearted. This is not something that you just want to just uh, do casually. I could just tell when you when you when I say, pray these prayers in the book in front of the blessed sacrament, you can tell they're they're prayers of somebody who's uh who's who's taking their interior life very serious. You have another short prayer there, and it's on page twenty-four. And the prayer is called another form. It's just it's two sentences uh, where it says, "I completely and utterly reject with the full force of my will." Tell us about this other form of of, uh, of rejection prayer. 
so this short form is uh, is what we call an ejaculatory prayer. It's 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 one that you need to have all the time. It's very quick. It's very poignant. Um, I don't know about your grandmother. I would imagine probably so. But uh, what we would hear is Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Yeah. Blessed be God. Those yeah. ejaculatory prayers, those quick responses. And so this needs to be in that repertoire. Uh, I completely and utterly reject with the full force of my will um, the desire to escape reality through alcohol or the desire to, to do drugs or the desire to do these things. I do this in the holy names of Jesus, Mary, and in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit in making the sign of the cross. And so this is, uh, this is good defense. This is, uh, this is that hands-up uh, immediate reaction uh, in the face of temptation. To me, it sounds like a prayer that should be on our lips throughout the day, right, right, Kyle? I mean, for you know, somebody who has these Absolutely. disorders, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and I think that within that uh, ejaculatory repertoire, that that knee-jerk reaction, if you will, um, and I, I like the knee-jerk. Let's go with that. And so, it, we ought to jerk our knee to genuflect. It should be the genuflect reaction, uh, and to assume that prayer posture just momentarily. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, God have mercy. Thanks be to God. Um, the divine praise is just the opening line. Blessed be God. Blessed be his holy name. Um, those are the prayers that you're looking for. Incidentally, I was a grand champion cursor of Southwest Texas. Now, a lot of people don't know that. Um, but for several years, uh, I held that title. Anyway, uh, the way to, to do reparation and to break that uh, vicious habit is the divine praises after every time you fall, and so those those prayers those, and that quick response is uh, is very powerful. Kyle, something's good happening in South Texas, Southwest Texas. You got uh, Myra Flores who won an office out there for the first uh, conservative uh, Republican that wins office in like 120 years in South Texas. Yeah, Myra is a wonderful, wonderful individual. May God continue to favor her and her family. Wonderful family. Amen. Kyle, thanks. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Wednesday War College. It's always a blessing uh, for our audience to have your uh, your incredible mind to give this uh, good information. You have a great weekend. God bless you. Keep the faith. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Wednesday War College. Up next. Gary Machuda, Hands-On Apologetics. Thank you for listening to Hands-On Apologetics. Thank you for listening to Wednesday War College. Excuse me. And uh, God bless you. Keep the faith. Talk to you soon.